Welcome to episode 90 of the Amanda Wagner podcast, the place for fiercely ambitious entrepreneurs and leaders who want to get off the sidelines, build a legacy, and claim their spotlight. In this episode, we talk to Joanne Bartolome, who is the CEO of Empathy Creative. We want to talk about how she insists on building a business and brand rooted in her values. We are going to discuss some of the challenges of running a values-based business and learn about Joanne's next adventure and thoughts on professional development and how she handled the feedback, I imagine often unsolicited, about what she should do. I'm Amanda Wagner, speaker, business strategist, and professional hype woman. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner podcast is the place for ambitious entrepreneurs and leaders who are tired of looking at others and saying, why are they doing that and I'm not, and are ready instead to claim their own spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and delights of being highly ambitious and how even though we're impatient and at times anxious, we can be intentional and make strategic decisions about how to get more of what we want in a noisy world. So let's get it out on the table. Liz, Joanne, we have all seen each other speak, seen each other uh, through Instagram, but also in, in different spaces. So let's just have our little love fest and agree that this conversation is long overdue. Amazing. I oh, love that I we're all in the same place. <laughs> I was about to say, like, right before this podcast, we're talking about how much we just love each other. And I am so honored, honestly. And it was just vice versa. So it's so good. Good energy in this room. I'm excited. Yay. I'm so glad. And I, I want to share that when, Joanne, when you and I met for sort of a pre-interview, you said, don't show me the questions because I know we can just do this. And I have no doubt that you are going to, to bring some brilliance to the table as you always do. We will, of course, link to all of your socials in the show notes. I want to acknowledge that you do some outstanding work in the digital marketing space. And at the same time, we're also going to zoom out and we're not going to talk about marketing. I'm sure it will be blended in, but we're going to like zoom way out. Let's talk about Joanne the human. Let's talk about building the business. And you have built, grown, and changed your business. So I want to actually start in the middle of the story. You t you built Empathy Creative. Talk to me about the name. This is such an interesting conversation because everyone's like, when I think of you, Joanne, your company name is essentially who you are as a person, Empathy Creative. And so I do have to pay tribute because empathy is not spelt like in English empathy, it's spelled in the French community, which is empathy. And the reason I put that is because when I had first started the business, I was really struggling getting marketing contracts. And the first people who gave me a shot was the French community right here in Edmonton. And so that's kind of the story there is that when I had rebranded, because initially I just took any name, it was rebranded from Yag Marketing, but I was like, I would like to pay tribute because the first check I ever cashed in this business was $15. <laughs> and it was $15 that was wow. from my first client, which was, of course, the CDEA. Um, and then that they are a French community there. So we could talk about that. We could talk about the fact that I definitely undercharged myself at the time. But <laughs> I do want to ask, so what good. were you paid $15 for? Will you share that? Yes, I, we were doing digital, we, myself, was doing digital ads for Travel Alberta. 
And I was more just so excited to be like, that's one hour of work. So I will charge you one hour. Joanne. I got the check. Joanne. Yes. Big mistake. Yes, we are learning from this, everyone. Do not do that. No, we we can talk about pricing, valuing your worth, all that stuff. But fifteen dollars, I was like, for one hour at the time, I believe minimum wage was twelve or so, no, a little bit less, right? And so, I thought <laughs> we're just gonna bump it up by a couple of dollars. I was so excited. I got that check. I cashed it in that bank account from ATB because it was the first time that I finally did something for the business, but it was also the lowest amount ever. And they got such a steal, but at the same time, they gave me a shot and it led to this. This is incredible. I had no idea that this was the story. There's something about no, like remembering that first check and how special that is. And I love that we can kind of dig into this. Like also it was $15. What the fuck, Joanne? (laughs) Uh, But I get it. We all have to start somewhere. So when people pronounce your business name, do you prefer that we use the French name and say empathy? Or no, do you I, care? it's fine. It's either or. And that was mm-hmm. the biggest part of it, too, was that I wanted a name that when it came down to my values of inclusivity, diversity, that if you look at different languages as well, because I'm a big person on languages, it could be said in different ways depending on the language. And so that's kind of where it was. It's like however you see it, however you read it, it was universal for everybody. The reason that I th- I thought that was the middle of the story is because you built this business with so much intention. And I think you ask the same of your clients. And we're going to get to the future stuff. But I want to know, you're you're building a values-based business. Where did you start that? Why did that matter to you? This is so hard because a value-based business is more than just what you say. And this is where we work with our clients a lot. It's also what you do. And so if we zoom out a little bit, is that I tell people that I like to focus on collective versus individualistic good, like individual. Oh my goodness, is that such a tough word to say because I don't even say it. I focus on the collective. And so when it comes to the collective, what it goes down to is family values. So to give people a background, um, first generation Canadian, my parents came from the Philippines. They came with just a little bit of less than $10 in their pocket. And it was very focused on the fact that it was very community based. So we all help each other out. It doesn't matter. You do the good for just the sake of doing good. And so when I came to business, what I really struggled with was finding examples of female leaders that aligned with my value of okay, yes, we can do some good things for ourselves. Yes, you can be profitable, but you can also do so in alignment with your values. That was the biggest struggle is that with the examples I was shown was you have, in order to be profitable, you also have to be selfish. And yes, there's that cutthroat. If you want to be profitable at all costs, you must do this. Yeah, cutthroat. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so when it came to that point, so I decided I wanted to show that you can be profitable, you can do a great business, you can tell great stories and amplify voices that aren't like amplified their story through digital marketing. And so that's where that came into play. And so when we work with our clients, it goes down to how do you want someone to feel with your brand? How do you want someone to think, but also how do you want them to talk about your business and say good things about your business too, but also how do you want to live in integrity with yourself day in and day out? And so that's how it all started was could I show a very unique perspective 
of running a business. And so everybody I know that you talk to, everyone who works for our team, they're like, yes, absolutely. It's not just we say that we do these things. We also show it in how we run our team meetings and how we show up with our clients and how we show up as a team together. You've definitely helped businesses try to figure out what that value is. And one of the, the things that I will say is if this list of core values lives in a binder on the shelf, we've all failed. It can't. We have to be showing it and demonstrating it for it to be meaningful. How does that change who you work with? We are very, very particular about who we work with. So to give everyone a perspective, it is not a revolving door at our business because we have a cap of clients that we work with. We only work with the same number of clients every year, and that's 15 clients. If by chance that has to change, like someone says, absolutely, we need to change the contract, that's fine. But we are very particular with how we scale. And the reason for that is if I go back to my values of integrity, of leadership, of making sure that we are providing quality work, brands are tricky and it requires time and it requires our team to be in a creative flow and how dare I make them think that they have to be efficient eight hours every single day in this typical, it's not how it is. So in order to be in alignment with those values, I have to create space for us to be in that state. And so that's why we only work with 15 clients every single year and we've signed them on for several years and we build longevity with them. And that's the point, is that we understand that things take time. We understand that you are as a business and we want to make things grow with you, but it doesn't happen overnight. And so that's when we're thinking about the collective good and in line with our values, we have to be very, very particular of not just how many clients we work with, but also are they also in alignment with the idea of like diversity, inclusivity, and making sure that they are living within their values too of not just, like you said, putting it on a shelf or just leaving it in the binder. Um, a good example of how we do it is we have our values and normally what we do is that if we have to make a very big major decision, like a strategic decision for our team, we'll bring up our values and we'll go, okay, so we have this opportunity. Do we move after this client? Do they align with our idea of leadership? Are they making a change in this world? Do they align with the idea of integrity? Do they say what they want, but they also actually showcase it in their actions as well? They have to showcase in the actions. Do we showcase, like we have a matrix that's formed and once we make that decision, okay, check, 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 we can move forward. But that's how we integrate values is that it's just, even in the way that we hire, do they align with our values of X, Y, and Z? I can't help but feel like this is risky for some people. Some Somebody listening to this might feel like this is either a little woo-woo or it is compromising profit, that it is leaning too far into the let's do good in the world, therefore we can't make money. So much like you, like you said, thinking about a collective versus individualism is a game changer. And yet you're still running a profitable business. So it's working. Knowing that you only take 15 clients a year, you've obviously had to turn some people away. What does that look like? This is such a hard conversation to have because, mm -hmm. so I'll go back to the profitability standpoint of this because I've had to turn people away. 
and not because we don't like them or anything. It's just, it's not the right fit right now for their business. It's not the right fit. It's just right now, if I think about it with the idea of empathy, I'm going at it with what are their current needs and what could best serve them at this time. And if that's the case, we might not be the right fit because right now we need you need they need someone who is a personal assistant or maybe they need some they need to go through their own growth journey to be able to know what the next step is and they have a different way of working. They have a different way of doing their routines that doesn't align with ours. And that's completely okay. Because if we go back to the profitability analysis of it all, what will end up happening is that you'll take a client that's not the right fit as we've heard on this podcast. And what will run what will run it down is that we will actually spend more hours, more time, more money trying to adhere to what that client's expectation is. And then we end up losing in the long term, that long term profitability. And so what that is, is that we have to switch the mindset. So how this works profitably is doing one thing every single day, that's maybe an hour, that's 365 days a year, that's 365 hours towards something that could be used more in a better time frame than just mm-hmm. going, okay, this, is, this client is just an hour's worth. I just charge this one. We can make it work. But in reality, you're losing that time. So huh. I think it's like a different way of looking at it is that if I take this person on, how much time am I losing that could be used towards other things for the business? So it's a different perspective of, oh, right now, right now, it'd be really great to have someone through the door and pay this much money. But long-term, where are the detriments long-term? I find your language choices really refreshing and really interesting, Joanne. Like the fact that you started by saying it's not a fit for their business right now really caught my attention as opposed to they're not a fit for us. It's not a fit for their business right now. I just find fascinating because I don't think I've ever spoken in that way when thinking about my own work. And Amanda's got both hands up as well. Yes, me too. I can think of a very specific example. This is just, this is so, it's so, I love seeing how your brain works and how your business works. This is just so interesting to me to see how you approach all of this. Yeah, it's it's so interesting because the whole point is to put ourselves in our customer's shoes and think about how our customer is feeling at that time. And so we have to listen, yes, to their needs, but also kind of dig deeper and read in between the lines of, is this the right fit for them? Is this going to serve them? And what we'll find actually, because we go back to profitability, is that people remember that. They remember the fact that they said, you know what, Joanne, I really appreciate that you didn't charge this amount, that amount, that you weren't in it for me. Now that I have this established, that I've gone through this, I would love to be able to work with you now, knowing my mindset. And it's just so, so interesting how it always comes back. And so it's a balance of that woo-woo idea thing that we talked about, but in reality, what that does is it creates longevity. So with business, what I found in profitability, it's that we think so, so in the now, right now, but what happens is that people burn out. How many times you've seen so many different businesses pass by, right? There's so many things. But in reality, the reason why I've had so much success is because I'm not focused on the right now. I'm focused on next year and the year after that about thinking longer term and just enjoying that journey of, okay, five years from now, 10 years from now, this is the vision and the legacy that I want to leave in this world. I love you. 
end the podcast. <laughs> I, I'm like making notes here because I'm thinking, okay, if we serve clients what they need, it ends up serving us too. It's a decision to play a long game, which I know I have spoken about. And for some context, as we are recording this, um, I am burnt out. And I can think very specifically about a project that I took on last month that I took for the money and I knew it probably wasn't, if I think, if I run it through your process, was it a fit for them? No, probably not. They needed something that is not my area of expertise. There was some scope creeping, which took me a while to set the boundary. And what ended up happening was the hours that I spent on that project were hours of resentment. I mean, poor Liz, who got my texts of like, I am so frustrated. Why did I take this on? And it became, it, it not only did it not serve them, I think in the end, what we created was lovely and coherent and exactly what they needed. And yet the amount of time and effort it took to get there came at too high a cost. This feels counterintuitive. We live in a world that is be mindful, be present, look at what's right in front of you. And yet you are offering this perspective, which is let's look longer term. Let's play a longer game intentionally and look at how our time is being spent and where our effort is going. To tie that up in a bow, you're doing this and it's working. There's got to be something here. It's working. It's profitable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also people notice and that's another thing too I really want to I really want to iterate is we get into the mindset of if I turn this project down etc people are gonna talk etc but also if they notice in a way that isn't negative is what I'm trying to say from that they notice in a way that is appreciative for the fact that you were mindful um and also too I feel as though we need to put in perspective that entrepreneurship is a long-term game like leadership is a correct Mm -hmm. and so and yet we make decisions that are on a short-term game because of that and also to burnout I can only imagine how how you felt because when I'm burnt out I know that I'm in misalignment of my values I know that's the reason why it happened and I know and just because something is you can do something doesn't mean it is realistic like that's something I also have to tip down to is that just because you can do something doesn't mean it's realistic right now. And, so and there's such a gap there. I can do it. Does it mean I want to? Does it mean it's worth it? Does it? And I think what you are pulling into play, another way of thinking about values is what does worth it actually mean? Yeah, absolutely. And we also have to just redefine what worth it is for ourselves. So yes, am I profitable? Absolutely. But we are fed this idea that you have to be bigger, more money. Like, I'm extremely happy to have the same four core people on our team and just have that. And that is my success. And we are profitable. I'm living a great life. I don't have to go out there and become like multi-million dollar or whatnot because that is my idea of worth it. I'm happy. I show up. This is, this is my idea of fulfillment. But I think it's because we don't know what makes us not happy, but fulfilled in our day-to-day lives. That's where the disconnect sometimes happens. And that's why we feel as though we have to go out there and, you know, grind it out and succeed, et cetera. I'm like, no, 
we can still work hard, but work hard towards the things that does fuel us and it does make us profitable in the long term. Um, and so I think that's also what is important because what I will tell people is that I've lost more money doing it the opposite way of just taking on this client, taking on this, just trying to grow and scale and become way too big. When I finally condensed it down into its actual core of what I wanted this business to be, that's when I finally actually started seeing profit coming into the business. To be totally frank, I, uh, I have burned my candle at all of the ends and I am exhausted and resentful and I, I'm hearing each of your answers as a podcast host going, what's the next question? How do I tie this in? How do I connect it? But I'm also just hearing this as a human being. And on this podcast, we play a lot with language and we talk about how important the language that we use is. In your beautiful brain and experience, can you tell me the difference between happy and fulfilled? For anyone who thinks we're splitting hairs here, what is that difference? So I didn't actually know the difference. I have to make a huge shout out to Morgan Arbez, who is absolutely a stunning, absolutely creative entrepreneur who's owned four different businesses. So this is where I heard the difference. And it finally resonated with me because language is important. How we speak to ourselves, how we speak to our team, you're right, is so, so important. You can't have happiness without fulfillment. You can't have happiness without fulfillment. And here's the, here's the difference. That's, what, that's how she told it to me. Having a fulfilled life means that you are in alignment with your values and that in turn leads to fulfillment, which then makes you happy because happiness is, is fleeting. You can have other emotions. I think that's what we are fed on social media constantly is just stay positive, stay happy. But it's also fine to feel sad and sometimes lonely or have moments of doubt because that's part of the journey that's part of that balance but just because you are unhappy doesn't mean that you are not trying to work towards a fulfilling life for yourself so let's say for example you're burnt out like I am too I've been burnt out etc but I'm thinking to myself okay in order to have a fulfilled life that I will get happy with what are the steps I have to take that comes, that helps me to say intentionally with myself, what would make me not necessarily happy, but what would make me live a life that every single day I'd love to wake up to. So that's the big difference is that it, I love to wake up to it, challenges or no, or frustrations and all of that goodness that's associated with it. But I still am living a fulfilled life because with challenges comes moments of growth moments of learnings we don't have it all figured out right now and that's why I'm so hesitant to use the word happy because we aren't always happy in that journey how many times like we're I'm sure you've talked to Liz and you're crying or whatnot but you've bonded over the fact that there was that moment of you know doubt or misery and that's okay too and I think that's the struggle with with social media and everything today is that we're told you have to be happy Instead, how about just being fulfilled? There's a lot to be said for what those moments of, of strife and struggle can create 
I was I was in a tough place a little while ago and and I texted Liz and I said, here's where I'm at. It's it's tough. And this is why we have fries and cries or tears and beers. We say we can enjoy ourselves and still discuss the struggle. And I mean, one of the the most beautiful acts of kindness from Liz is that she put me on bypass through do not disturb, which like Liz does for nobody. It's very Liz big is very deal. fierce on boundaries. <laughs> it was a big deal. I was like, oh, okay, she's taking me seriously here. Now, when it comes to this word happy, um, we know the dangers of toxic positivity of the just look on the bright side. And so I'm going to send you an article. We'll link to it in the show notes um, that somebody shared with me that the antidote to toxic positivity is tragic optimism. It's embracing the fact that despite all of our challenges and struggles, which we are still going to have, there is still a way to find hope within that. And I think that that's, that fits beautifully with, with your perspective here. One thing that you brought up and I want to dig a little bit further into is this idea of reputation. What are people going to say if I turn down this work? The alternative and the long game is what are people going to say if I have such a good sense of the projects that I'm right for and the projects that I'm taking on? For people who are focused on building a legacy and do want to have a positive reputation, how do we switch from thinking short game to thinking long term? Do we start at the beginning and reassess our values? Are there, are there little things that we have to do to remind ourselves? What is that transition like? Because we have to trust that our reputation will be built in the way we want it to. But that takes time. And that's scary. Yeah. That takes time. I think we need to take a little bit of a step back before we go into action items. And I think that the reason, because I'm hearing you say, I've felt this way so many times before, the burnout, everything. How do we reassess all that stuff, right? And so before we go into action items per se I think we just need to also give ourselves permission that we don't have to have it all figured out right now either so I think that I just want to put that space out there because while I'm here saying here's my journey here's how I've grown it here's how I remain profitable I also went through moments that I didn't know if this was right or wrong or whatnot and I just want to remove that language out completely of here's right and wrong etc just just to create that space and then so the second piece is okay so now we want to think about things long term that that was the question that we're iterating back so how do we start thinking in the now etc what ends up happening i think is that the reason we focus so in the now is because there's so many distractions that make us focus in the now i think that's what it is the first thing i would love to say is just number one create space for yourself Space doesn't mean you're going to sit into a room and just think to yourself. Space just means how are we going to create space for ourselves that I'm thriving, that I'm just, you know, walking around. I just need to create more space. And I think the reason I want to bring it up is because how many times your phone goes off? Oh, I need to address this right now. How many times there's an email, et cetera, this has to be done right now. So there's, there has to be, like Liz does, she does very clear boundaries with herself of her time. So I think that's one of the things is that we have to open up space. The second thing is once space is open up is making sure that every single time that you are doing something, that something is done consistently and it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be anything major. So I think you've seen how many times there was the example that if you wanted to go to the gym, the typical example of going to the gym, put the shoes near the door, et cetera. That's your first step. Correct. Yeah. The first step of thinking long-term 
is starting to just push it just a little bit further. Instead of what are my to-do lists today or what's my to-do list next week, what's our to-do list next summer? What's our to-do list? Ne- just pushing it slowly because what will that do is that will, it will anchor your perspective. I'm very big on anchoring which with the team, which is, okay, right now, of course, this is a really big thing, but let's just anchor it forward into like five months from now. Will this affect you five months from now the same way? And that give what that does is it gives perspective. And in order to have that perspective, we have to go to step one, which is space. So that's the second thing, is small, tiny, repeatable steps every single day. And then the last piece too is that you don't have to revisit your values every single day. That's not what I'm, I'm saying. It's just that what it's saying is that do you have enough time to realign with your sense of self? Um, it takes a lot of self-awareness to live in your values every day. And it's extremely, extremely hard. Like it is probably the hardest thing I've had to do every single day. And even just putting words around it, being like, oh, my integrity or my leadership, what does that mean to me? What I would say is if you can sum it up in something that's a little bit more tangible, so a color, like the color blue or a song, like can you, ta- can you align your values into something that isn't necessarily words? Because that will help to ground you back to your piece. So for example, when I know that I'm out of alignment, I see the color red. Because I'm like, oh my goodness, now everything's sorted. But if you can assign it with, okay, what will bring me back down to blue? It gives you a different perspective. So that's why I'm just saying it's a little bit woo-woo. It's a little bit different. But that what it does is that if you're thinking about, okay, my consistency to myself is I'm going to play this song to remind me of my values every single day. That's so much easier than, Joanne, let's just revisit our values every single month. And it becomes a chore and there's resentment and it's not fun. And it just kind of so I think when I say create space, like it doesn't have to be anything big. Mm-hmm. And and I think when you when you contrast these steps that you're sharing and the consistency and and having something else to anchor it in, a, a song, a color, a phrase, whatever that is, it does take the the hard out of it in some ways because the idea of sitting down and looking at my values exercise once a month, it does feel like a slog. It doesn't feel authentic. It may as well be in the binder on the shelf that we don't look at. Now, you said it, it is very hard to live in your values. Can you give us an example of when that has been challenging for you to either uphold integrity, inclusion, diversity, or where it's you've had a situation where you've had to maybe figure out, is it worth that I wiggle on one of these or not? I think I, I'll bring it back to this concept of money because I think money is probably the hardest conversation to talk about, especially because it's business. And we talked a lot about topics that are very, in most people's brain, woo-woo, but I like to bring it back to the tangibles because I think yes. that's perspective. And we love talking about money here. So please. So it's good. So when it comes, normally, the the hesitations I hear when it comes to decisions, especially when you don't align with your values, is around money because we need money to live, we need money to buy things, that's what it is. So we will ta- do things because we all have thresholds of, if I take on this client, I will make a lot of money and this will help to support this and help support that. So we're in a, in a different mindset frame. So the decision I've had to make was, do I let this client go because it's a very difficult client right now, and, but it pays such great money. It is like, especially when you have the overhead that we have of, um, of employees, 
and you know that their salary is dependent on that, it is so hard to say, oh my goodness, this is burning out our team. It's not in alignment with our values. We thought that we did our due diligence. There's always going to be a couple clients that you start working with them and it just doesn't work out because of changes and growth and all the different things. And we have to decide, do we continue working with this client? And so in that moment, it's scary because at that time, I believe I had six employees and I had to let clients, I think I had to let two or three clients go because they we were just going through a change and growth. And that was someone's salary. And so what do you do in that moment? Mm-hmm. Do you continue working with them or do you realize that you have to let them go? Let the client go or the yeah. employee? Either or, right? Like you have right. to decide, are you going to let your employees go so you can make, or are you going to take this on? Or are you going to let the client go? There has to be something that happens. Right. Something's got to give. Okay. Something's got to give. In that moment, I knew that I wasn't living in my values because I was just constantly focused on the money. I was constantly focused on, let's just keep it going. We'll grind it out. We'll keep, we'll find another contract. But what that ends up happening is that quality goes down. There is resentment on the team. People don't want to stay on the team because things are coming on. And that just creates way too much, like that way way too much as as a business owner. So I knew in that moment that I had to do something. So I decided that I would take out a giant loan, a giant loan, and that, yeah, it was massive. It was an opportunity for me to say, I'm going to live within my values because we were just burning out. Like it was ridiculous. We were losing talent. And so I was like, I'm going to take out a giant loan. Wow. I, did you see, Liz, I mean, our listeners don't get to see Liz and my faces, but we both kind of did this like, oh, this is a part of the story that we don't always get to hear. Keep yeah. going. I'll stop so interrupting. We, yeah. So we took, and the loan was, ma- it, so you have to, it's a bit of a real perspective at that time. I couldn't pay payroll because uh, uh, we were dependent on the one client to pay us cash. So as that, so what that does as a business owner is that you have to look at what your cash flow in and cash flow out is. So that's also another thing that is a red flag, but we tend to ignore that for the fact of, but they're a big client, they're paying all this staff, et cetera. But the true core of the business was you have a cash flow problem. You have a, you know, you have to look at your finances. You have to look at this differently. And the second thing too was, okay, if that's the case, I need to take a look at how I'm going to pay everybody. So I took a massive loan. I had no leverage, <laughs> none. Like I didn't have a car, nothing. So I took it out and I took it out of um, a line of credit, my personal line of credit, and I poured that into the business and I let the client go. It has been an absolute grind. It took me a full year to be able to pay that loan back. It was hard. We had to let some team members go. I had to do the whole thing because I had to reassess because of the fact that I knew that if I kept going down this route, not only are we going to continually lose clients because of quality or lose team members, I'm going to be left with an even bigger problem down the road. So that's because before that, the question of this was, when can you tell us the time you weren't in your values? I wasn't in my values at all then. I was not eating well. I was stressed out. I was, I think I lost so much weight and I was just trying to grind for the next paycheck because we had such large overhead to support our large client, but they, the payment terms were just absolutely astronomical so I knew there's something I had to give and eventually I was like okay I have to do what's best for the business right now which is 
let some team members go, which absolutely broke my heart, but also let several clients go. And that flip, that switch, I thought was going to be, especially because it was bigger clients, I thought I was going to absolutely destroy this business. And because we took a massive loan, I was worried about paying it off. I'm here to say I'm absolutely debt-free now. We've gone through that. We have a great team. But if I could say that if I had just lived within my values and not taken on that client, if I had just lived in my values and wasn't just swayed by the money, I wouldn't have gone through, yes, it was a great journey. Did I learn lots from it? Absolutely. But also, if you think about it, I also had to take on a massive personal risk that wasn't that wasn't something that I wanted to do with no leverage. I had to sacrifice so, so much just to make it work. And so if I could leave something with the listeners is that I know I talk about values lots, but if you think about how much money I had to pour in just to realign myself to finally make money, can you imagine if you just knew your values, everything, your worth, not get swayed with just the short term, but thought about things long term, I think you would have made strides. I would have made a lot bigger strides in the business. And it's not regret, but just more just here's how come values do work in a profitable business. Liz and I are just nodding our heads along here going like, yes, Liz, what are you, what are you thinking? I just love your vulnerability, Joanne. Like I just, I so appreciate this peek behind the curtain uh, because this is, this, this wasn't just a peek, like you ripped it open. <laughs> I appreciate this risk that you were so determined to get back to the root of what's true to you and what you want to do in the world and how you want to do it that you went for it like you're you're ballsy and I appreciate it and thank you for sharing yeah no worries I think that's I think people need to hear the struggle too because it wasn't Mm -hmm. just you had this amazing mindset and here it was it was right honestly it was such a big lifestyle change as well so Mm -hmm. it was I think what happened was that okay we have to pour everything into the business now I had to I sold my car that was one and then so I biked everywhere for that month or in Edmonton which is not a very friendly city of everything no (laughs) um And then I also, I think I, for a month, I didn't buy any groceries because that's how in debt I was, was I was just going through the pantry, eating tuna or whatever, because I knew every single dollar was so intense, but it's because, but it's only good now because of the fact that I went to its true root cause. If I had just continued down that same route, I can only imagine how much harder it would have been with too much overhead, not enough insight, not enough infrastructure. There was a whole operations part of it that also happened was that we took on this big climb, but we had no support for it. There was no structure. There was no thought process to it. It was just... That's, I I mean, it it took pushing against that fence to find what was too far. Like, what was the cost of that money? And I think your advice here is going to help people not hit that fence. But also, I want to acknowledge that You did take on debt and you found your way out. You did sell your car and bike in Edmonton and you found your way out. And I'm not saying like YOLO, throw caution to the wind, but I'm saying like there are, there are things that can happen to get you into alignment in the right 
in a way that feels right, in a way that focuses on fulfillment and playing the long game. It doesn't have to be one or the other, which is live the way you're living or throw it all out and start fresh. So I love that you're helping us kind of find that that gray area. Listeners of the podcast have heard me say that my my therapy is paying for the gray because it's so easy to think black and white. It's so easy to say, just throw it out or do what you've been doing because you know that it works. And so you're offering some of that that perspective in the middle, which again, it is, it's ballsy to do. It's ballsy to share. And you're on the cusp of your next ballsy thing. Yeah. Joanne, what's your next thing? Tell us everything. I I am moving to Barcelona. Yes. Which is so exciting, nerve wracking, scary, all the good feelings. It just means that I am taking on another big thing. And it's another risk. And that's why I really want to tell people that I've taken a lot of risk it doesn't necessarily always plans out, but it just means it's an investment in myself. It was essentially what I'm doing this for. Um, now that I understand how it works with debt and getting out of debt and investing in yourself and what that does for yourself, right? Because you always have to realize that a lot of the decisions I was also making was because it was coming from a place of scarcity. It was coming from a place of, you know, I was making decisions of the idea that, you know, I'm not going to be abundant later on. So there was a lot of work, inner work that had to be done. It was only until I did that, that now we have a profitable business and all that stuff. And so I'm thinking to myself, the reason I'm going to Barcelona is that it's a big investment in myself. And I wanted to give that example if I'm like, if I'm living in my values, that as CEO of this business, you too can also invest in yourself. It doesn't always have to be you know, I'm going to grind it out and just always investing right into business. You also can prioritize you. I also think it's not just like you can prioritize yourself, you can invest in yourself. But the perspective I get from you is that in order to grow, you actually have to. Now, there are many ways of doing it, but you have to pick something. Pick something and also something that you're comfortable with. I think that's Mm -hmm. another thing, too, is that the examples I have is like you have to go big, go home, et cetera. But it's if you talk to me five years ago and you were going to say, Joanne, you're going to go to Barcelona. I'd be like, you are absolutely not correct. That is way too wild for me. I wouldn't have never. And so it's a journey that had to come to its place. That This leap of faith for me has been built over time. So I'm moving to Barcelona. I got accepted into a women in business scholarship at a business school that's there for an MBA program. Um, It is great because it was ranked the top worldwide for entrepreneurship and it guarantees a 50-50 split uh, of women and men because I really was very passionate about the fact that a lot of these programs, I believe only 20% are women and I was just very in alignment with the fact that my mission, vision, values is all about women are empowered, enabled, and encouraged to achieve their courageous goals. So I was like, okay, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to go to an institution that aligns with those values. So there was that and they were big on diversity and sustainability. So I'm going there for almost two years, almost two years, and I'm trusting that the systems and processes and everything that I have built here with the team is going to be running at the same time that I'm there overseas in Barcelona. Wow. So my, my first thought is when you told people that you were going to move to Barcelona and do an MBA, or you were thinking about it, tell me about all the shoulds that you got. You should do this with your business. You should do this. You should do this because I imagine they were plentiful. I got so much advice, so much beautiful, wonderful advice from everybody who I think they just care. I just want to give it out there to they just care, et cetera. 
sell the business. Don't sell the business. Um, another one was, do you have to go to Barcelona? Can't you just do it in Edmonton? Like, d- is that really a thing? What if this happens was essentially the constant question I got. What if so-and-so leaves or what if this happens here? Like, there's a lot of ifs that happen. But then my challenge to a lot of that was, what if it happens now? Like, it could also happen now. What if, because the biggest question was, what if someone quits? Was what if someone leaves your company? Because that's a big risk is you're overseas, et cetera. I'm like, well, if someone quits now, I would just do the same thing as I did then. And so another question too was, I was also at the idea of if something happens, I'm sure we would just, it would be figured out. You would just figure out what would happen. And I think that also the struggle I had with all the comments was, They were so focused on what I've built here. Well, Joanne, you're a CEO here. You're successful here. Like all this stuff that's here that we forgot that the whole reason I was going was for more opportunity for myself. It was like, I can only imagine if I was there, like what other doors are going to open? Who am I going to meet? Who am I going to connect with? We've never, all the comments were focused on here, the now, the short term process. Whereas if I'm going with the nine of the values of, well, if I met someone from France or Spain or Portugal, what does that mean then? What's what's going right. to happen then? We and so as humans, we were focused on now. With this, with the education piece, but also the community piece, I imagine there's part of you that's thinking, "I'm going to go away for two years, and hopefully, at the end of two years, you aren't just coming back to the same space and place and people and opportunities." The goal of this is that you can expand that. And again, that's that's your long, this long-term thinking is such a gift that you were giving us. Yeah. it's that Did you actually, sorry, go ahead. No, did you actually what? Did you actually sit down with each of the one, what ifs and play out those scenarios? What if somebody leaves? What if I decide I want to sell the business in between? Did you sit down and play out those scenarios? That's so surprising because I did actually. So I did ah, do that. I did. Okay. I did out. So there was five or six different scenarios. It was sell the business, get a partner, uh, commission off. Like there was multiple ones, right? And then so it's a it's a matrix. So for people who are listening, it was a matrix. On the left-hand side, you put that. On the top of it, what I put was my values. It was integrity, leadership, et cetera, at the top and what that meant for me. So Am I living in integrity if I did this? Is this in alignment with my idea of global vision? Is this an idea? Like I put them all here. And when I played it out, all the what ifs, when I checked it off because I rated it from one to 10, like what what could happen and also the risk for all of that, I was like, actually, it's not that bad. <laughs> it was not that bad. And so it made me feel a little bit more in alignment with the fact that if I played out all of the scenarios, I just wanted to remember that the whole goal was the whole idea of my value. So it makes it feel a little bit smaller. It anchored me was why I was trying to say with that. It anchored that the scenarios are just there, but in reality that there's also other opportunities there too. So it gave me a perspective of just get it out there, put it on a piece of paper. It's there. The scary monster is in front of you, but now we can move forward from that. And then if it happens, it happens, but it happens in alignment of your values. Here's how you're going to act in alignment of your values. Right. I'm going to borrow this word of anchoring. We've talked before on the podcast. And of course, in in my work with clients, I say, what's the worst case scenario? Let's go there. Let's actually talk about what you would do and who you would have to call and what that would look like. And is it that bad? 
because chances are you can come back from it and balancing that with the opportunity. I love how your brain works. I love that you have a matrix for this. That doesn't surprise me. It excites me. My, my second question might seem a little bit off topic, but you are really intentional with starting with, I'm going to Barcelona. I'm going to be in a group of women. It is 50% women. You're telling us all these details. And then you kind of threw in, and I'm getting an MBA. There, That's intentional. It's got to be. Like, tell me. I think many people would start with, I'm going to do an MBA, and then share all the details. So how does that shape what professional development means for you? Because it's not just a credential, clearly. No, no. That's. I think that's why it was, is that... We get caught up with the idea of credentials, which is fine. That, that's how we improve with ourselves. That's that's how I, I go to school, et cetera. But I think what allows me to have global vision, what allows me to think outside of the box is to play around and remember why I'm going, but also reiterating that it isn't just about the letters. It isn't just about the letters that are after my name. An MBA program is fantastic. But the whole reason that I'm going was the reason I'm saying I'm going to Barcelona, I'm going to be surrounded by women, I'm going to be surrounded by a community, is because I really want people to understand that this isn't just about, I'm gonna go out there and learn. This is the idea that I'm going to bring people with me. I want people to see this. I want to showcase that this is the legacy I'm leaving in the world is an example of someone going outside of her comfort zone, outside of Edmonton, into a place. People think that I speak Spanish, I don't. I only speak English and French. And so I'm putting myself in an uncomfortable situation, not because of the fact that, oh, I'm going to get an MBA, but also because I want to learn about other things like arts, culture, languages. And I think that helps, like we keep mentioning, anchoring the idea of it's not just academics I'm after here. I'm after a very different perspective. And I think that's also what people need to know is that, and I also mention it, is that if I say I'm doing an MBA, the question that gets come up is, well, why not just do it in Edmonton? Right, that's, that's the question. Why don't I just do it in Edmonton? So I'm like, so, okay, I'm going to answer this differently now. I'm going to Barcelona. I'm going to be surrounded by 50% women. I'm going to be getting a global vision. And I'm doing an MBA is the end start of it. And so I think that will help with language of understanding the purpose behind the MBA. This is really, I've been thinking about my professional development and education. I know Liz is a little bit behind the curtain here. And it's making me rethink not rethink the doing it, but actually how I frame the decision. Why am I actually doing this? Is it future focused? And and does it align with my values? I am going to go and create a matrix, which I am oddly excited about. Um, Joanne, I'll send you, I'll send you a sneak peek. I'm also going to encourage our listeners here, if you are in a position where where Joanne has been going, we have to make this decision. I also fiercely encourage you to listen to episode 89 of the podcast with Shannon Lee Simmons, where we talk about her book, No Regret Decisions. Joanne, you are, I mean, this is a beautiful follow-up to how do we use our deciding values to make the next decision, to make sure that we are not living in regret. And, and in, from your perspective, we are anchored in what are the opportunities in the future. I am so strong with my, my sense of self, my sense of understanding of what I want, that I can, I can move to this next thing with confidence. Joanne, you're a listener, which I love. Thank you so much. Uh, don't ask, don't get. I want you to ask something of our listeners, what do you want us to 
do or watch or follow or see, hit us, anything you want. Yeah, no, absolutely. I have a couple things. I want to ask the listeners, this is one question, is that if you do listen to this podcast, I would love it if you could tag me on social media because I would love to just start a conversation. That's the first thing, is that if something has resonated with you, please do reach out because I find that that's when the best conversations happen and what has resonated with you. The second thing that I do, I know, I think I just, there's like a car or something. That's what I thought. <laughs> you both heard it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the second thing I would love is we've talked about a lot today. We talked about mindset work it's, and money, et cetera, and all that stuff. I would love to challenge everybody to do one thing today that is for you and only for you. I think that is very, when I talked about space, I feel as though we're so caught up in the doing and we so caught up of like, we have to do this and we have to do that. I would love if I could just give everyone the permission right now to give them a little bit of self-care. And I think this podcast is one, this is one positive learning, but if they can just do something small for themselves today, I just feel like that would make me absolutely smile for you. So whatever that is, for me, it's usually going on TikTok and dropping a gift or something like that's me, but whatever it is that will bring you some joy today. And then the, the last thing I want to ask our fall, like everybody that listens and just ask the question is, um, what would you look like five years from now? I know that that's such a typical question, but I just want to give everyone like five years from now is a long time. Can I just give like five years from now, what would you like for yourself? doesn't have to be anything good bad etc it's just give yourself that space today these are absolutely wonderful questions uh, from, from the technical to the big visionary piece I can't uh, yeah okay in five years in five years I'm going to be 41 what do I want in five years Joanne I'm going to do some some speculating some thinking Maybe I'll send you some behind the scenes notes. It has been an absolute delight to have you here. Liz and I have been nodding along the entire time. And thank you for, for your thoughtfulness, for your willingness to be here and to share so openly and honestly about your business. I'm looking at all the notes that I made and some of the numbers you came back to. You said my, my parents came to this country with $10 in their pockets. I, my first contract, my first check was for $15 all of these numbers that you've planted and now thinking about five years, thank you for taking something so big, making it tangible and then taking it us out again to zoom out. Uh, I'm feeling very full right now. So thank you. I am so appreciative to all of you and all the listeners. So thank you. It was so, so lovely to share a story that normally doesn't get told. It is no surprise that we had such a fabulous guest any guest that like digs into these like vulnerabilities in me and makes me question where I'm at and the decisions that I'm making. Oh, I can only imagine what our listeners are feeling right now. I hope that our listeners feel the goosebumps that I felt throughout bits of Joanne's storytelling. I so appreciate how honest she was because that is not always an easy thing to do, but clearly it's rooted in her values and she just came yeah. full force into our conversation today. That was so great. It was so great. The, having guests on this podcast has definitely uh, been a game changer for us. And of course, again, it pulls on all these threads that make us, us think, I cannot wait for our next interview, of course. But first, I'm going to bask in this for the next two weeks. I'm going to go make a decision matrix. I'm going to think about where I'm going to be in five years and what that looks like. And mostly, I'm going to go 
champion the shit out of Joanne and follow along with her as she shares her adventures in Barcelona with her program and how that influences who she's going to be in the next five years. We will add all of her social media information into the show notes so you too can also follow along with her journey. In the spirit of don't ask, don't get, I'm here with an ask, which is to follow along with us on social media at The Amanda Wagner. I'm getting a little bit deeper and I'm starting to share a little bit more. And so I would love to hear your thoughts and your feedback. I'm I'm digging deep into ambition and I want to know how that connects with you. So stay tuned. I want your comments. I want your DMs. I read them. I respond. So find us at The Amanda Wagner on Instagram. And if this episode has you thinking about the future and some of the things you want to accomplish next year or the year after, and part of that is growing your digital presence, let's chat. You can visit my website, lizpittman.com, or find me on Instagram at lizpittman. Okay, LP, you got a meeting. Get out of here. I have a meeting, but we will be back in two weeks with our next episode. Until then, we'll see you on the internet. Okay. Love you. Bye. I'm going to text you a funny Bob's Burgers things about being in a meeting. Okay, great. I can't wait. Okay. 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 Love you. Bye.